Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are sticking in the Halloween theme and talking about a werewolf movie, specifically The Wolf of Snow Hollow from writer-director star Jim Cummings. Uh, this was my first introduction to Jim Cummings. Right after I watched this, I watched Thunder Road, his previous film that was very highly acclaimed, but I just never got around to. And uh, I'm a fan now. So I'm really looking forward to talking about this movie. Uh, I loved both of these movies from Jim Cummings. And I uh, have a great guest joining me. I've got Kate, who has been on the show a couple times now. I'm happy to have her back. And before we do get to that conversation, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice, and you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod, and you can even join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So, uh, you know, with that said, um, I'm going to cut this spiel a little bit short and get right to the conversation because I want to talk about this movie. The Wolf of Snow Hollow is available on VOD right now, and it's in a few theaters here and there. So uh, make sure you check it out. We will get into some spoilers here in the conversation. And let's go to that conversation right now. <music> All right, so joining me today, Kate is back with us. How you doing, Kate? Doing well. How are y'all? I am great, and I'm excited to talk about this one. This is a movie I was really looking forward to. Kind of uh, came out of nowhere a little bit for me, uh, but once I saw the trailer and the poster, I was like, oh yeah, I am in for this movie. I am excited, and it did not disappoint. The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Was this one that you were uh, really looking forward to when it came out? Oh yeah, absolutely. So this one had been like kind of vaguely on my radar um, from friends that were doing genre film festivals, mm-hmm. and 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 not a lot of um, critics that I knew had seen it um, at the time when I first became aware of it. But I was hearing really good things, and that poster really grabbed me. And yeah. I covered the virtual version of Fantastic Fest this year, and I was so excited whenever I got my. Uh, press packet and saw that Wolf of Snow Hollow was going to be a part of that festival. So I jumped on that coverage right away and was so glad that I did. It's a cool movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, I And I went into this uh, 
kind of blind on Jim Cummings. I hadn't actually seen Thunder Road. I ended up watching it right after I watched this. I'm sure Thunder Road is going to come up in this conversation, as well as Jim Cummings just in general. Uh, were you a fan of that, though, before uh, going into this? No, I, I was the same way where I, um, you know, I didn't have any point of reference for Jim Cummings or for Thunder Road. So this uh, Snow Hollow kind of made a fan out of me. Nice. Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever he does next. But uh, I guess let's jump into it. Uh, let's go to some puzzle pieces. What do you got for your first piece for this one? So the big one that jumped out right away for me, and I, I touch on this in my review of the film a bit, is Wind River. Nice. Now, you know, for your viewers that may or may not know, there is a very strong comedic element of Wolf of Snow Hollow that is not present in Wind River, so don't get it twisted. Yeah, um, it's a, that's a dark movie. Yeah, Wind River <laughs> is an incredibly dark film. It is not a light romp at all. But what instantly struck me about The Wolf of Snow Hollow is that it is set in this frosty, very uh, wintry atmosphere. You know, you're in this mountain town. It, there's this, I, there's isolation, you know, all you've got between you and the evils of the world is this very small, very under-equipped police force and taking it from kind of that, I'm going to call it icy horror element and taking in the true crime kind of elements of it, or just, I guess, crime, very much a Wind River vibe, that very bleak, very heavy uh, the danger is just outside of, you know, just outside of the town in the woods. And I also, another connection with Wind River is I, I'm a big fan of Westerns. I'm always mm -hmm. looking for Westerns, even where there isn't one. Right. And Wind River kind of has that a vaguely Western sensibility that I also picked up on in Snow Hollow. You've got this, this uh, tight posse of cops, you know, which could very easily mirror something from like Rio Bravo or El Dorado, you know, if you apply that group of lawmen, you know, mm -hmm. against, you know, against the odds type of deal, there's just a vague, vague Western flavor that's present in both Wind River and Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I, another thing to that setting is it because of the snow and because of the middle of the forest and, and all, all that kind of thing, you almost get like a claustrophobia, even though you're out in the open, you know, because everybody is, there's not much you could do about getting away once, once shit hits the fan, basically. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're totally exposed and, and, and help is not coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I like that one. That, that's definitely a good, uh, good piece to kick it off with getting uh getting started in the snow like that i guess i'll uh i'll go to my first piece which before i get into any of my other pieces i did want to use this as my first one i don't always bring up director's previous works but i did want to bring up thunder road itself jim cummings previous film that he also wrote directed and starred in uh and i, I just think it's a really interesting choice uh for jim cummings to do two back-to-back -back movies where he plays a very anxious cop that is just really having a difficult time keeping it together. And uh, it, it's a choice, you know? It's, it's a really interesting choice. And I think he does the character really well. Uh, and I think... I, I did see an interview with him where he talked about 
part of the reason for that was uh, it was easier to pitch going into his first studio picture. Like, like, hey, it's like, you know, Thunder Road with a werewolf, you know? And, uh, and, and I think I could definitely see that there. And it, Thunder Road's a fantastic movie. Like I said, I hadn't seen it going into this. I went and watched it immediately after because I liked Wolf of Wall, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. There's my first time saying it. I knew it happened during this conversation. Uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow so much. Uh, and, and so I went right away and, and watched Thunder Road and I just thought that it was, I was blown away. It was really, really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it does seem though that he's kind of in a similar headspace going into this second picture. And I'm, I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering where he goes next. If he, if he completely switches gears or if he's continuing on uh, similar anxious characters. Well, you know, it, it's interesting and, you know, kind of like I touched on, at the at the start of the podcast is that crime horror and comedy are both very evenly measured in the wolf of snow hollow like all mm. of those elements are present they're present in about equal parts but i really i prefer to read the wolf of snow hollow dismissing some of the comedic elements because mm-hmm. it's in the other two thirds of its of what it's doing as a genre film that Jim Cummings is really doing his best work. You know, I, I think that, I think that he's definitely found his niche. I think that Jim Cummings has a really, really unique and thorough grasp on the monster of the self. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting choice because, you know, you watch the wolf of snow hollow and the most concerning monster in the film is not, is not the wolf. It is this officer who is deeply flawed who is coming into, you know, he's coming into his power. You know, he, he's looking to, uh, he's looking at becoming the police chief very soon. There are the crushing expectations of those around him. And then on top of that is the baseline man versus nature slash werewolf. Right. Present in this. And, and Jim Cummings does that really, really well. And, you know, there is a lot of humor. There's a lot of anxiety in it that works, but I would love to see him further dive into those more dramatic i i want to see it go much darker because i think he can do that really really well yeah without without uh without needing the comedy to to help bring people along for the ride you know yeah because comedy makes things accessible and I, i was pondering that because i almost felt like you're not the first person I've said that to that I kind of prefer not to think about the comedy element Mm -hmm. in the Wolf of Snow Hollow. And I don't want anyone to think of that as like a disservice to what Jim Cummings is doing because humor is very humanizing. Sure. And it makes, you know, we, we love characters when we can connect with them and smile with them, but his best work is happening in those dramatic uh, looking inward moments and i feel i feel that he's proven his chops as a dramatic actor and director yeah no that that absolutely makes sense so uh what do you got for your next piece my next piece to dive into the comedy which i choose to ignore usually (laughs) is um is the dead don't die nice nice because we, we do have this really great cast of characters and even though those aren't my favorite moments of the film this police department and kind of the funny dysfunctional family that they create uh, very much reminded me of the officers that we see in the dead don't die. Um, 
that supernatural element of, you know, werewolf versus zombies. I also kind of look at the dead don't die as having that vaguely Western sensibility. Sure. You know, group of lawmen versus the threat to the town. So yeah, that's, I feel like the dead don't die is kind of the other side of the coin from wind river, or maybe think of it as a cinematic Oreo and wolf of snow <laughs> hollow is the creamy center. <laughs> Nice. I like that. The the snowy, creamy center. Um, Yeah, I like that. Uh, The Dead Don't Die was a fun film. It was like just so, so ridiculous. Um, And and definitely, I mean, this this movie, you know, it's like we were talking about. It's got it's got a lot of serious to it, uh, but it's also a horror comedy as the Dead Don't Die is. And I mean, it's it's a kind of self-referential to what a werewolf movie is, just like that is to uh, to what zombie movies are. And so, absolutely, I think that's a, a great comparison there. Um, I'm going to jump around in my list of pieces here. Since you brought up The Dead Don't Die, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead to one that was also from 2019. And that is The Art of Self-Defense, which was a really great movie about toxic masculinity. And uh, this movie being mainly about this group of police officers who they, they have not really come to grips with their own sense of self or, or of what their place is in the police department. And they, they mess around. They, I, it's not as silly as a, as a super troopers or something like that, right. but they are goofing constantly. And they also, especially our main character played by Jim Cummings, you know, is really just not doing a great job of keeping things together or of being the man that he's trying to, uh, trying to act like he thinks he is, you know, and these, these people, they, they have a sense of right and wrong and all that kind of stuff, but they don't seem to be able to quite get there, you know, and, and it's, it's a really, it's really funny as well as being fascinating at that difficulty of being a fully, complete human being, you know, completely developed human being, uh, which is something I think was done so well in the art of self-defense. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a really, that's kind of a perfect way of summarizing it because it's not necessarily, you know, you're thinking about this police department and how so much of the soul of the film exists in the interactions of those police department. You know, they're driving the action, they're driving the heart. Jim Cummings is managing all of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that, your description, because they're not bumbling. Right. It's not like a, it's not a bumbling police department, but it's all about recognizing flaws, being able to turn over command to someone who's more qualified, you know, looking at having the ability to step aside and having mm-hmm. the ability to recognize when you're in over your head and kind of the it's almost a coming of age story. Like I, I hate to put that label on it because I feel that it's, um, it's a, it's a little lighter and brighter than what this is. Mm-hmm. But you know, Jim Cummings' character does go through this entire. He has to grow up. Right. He has right. to grow up in a lot of ways. He's got to get his act together, get his shit together, and the stakes are incredibly high. And it's not until he's willing to admit failure and step back that he actually starts making some headway. So I love that characterization within the art of self-defense, because I do. I think it applies beautifully to, uh, to the dynamics in the film. 
There's also that great line uh, in the car uh, where he's like, do you think women have had to deal with this stuff since the Middle Ages? And <laughs> it's it's so funny, but it's also so telling of where that character is mentally, like just no, you know, self-awareness. Yeah, no, no scope outside of himself. Yeah, exactly. Which is so funny. Uh, all right. What do you got for your next piece? So... I feel I feel like I'm picking and kind of grabbing at bits of the film, but mm-hmm. I mean this just as sincerely as I meant the comparison to Wind River. I think that the Wolf of Snow Hollow makes a fantastic companion to Krampus. <laughs> nice. If the Wolf of Snow Hollow was set during Christmas time, it would be Krampus. The elements are all there. You have a tall, mysterious, vaguely hairy monster. Mm-hmm. You've got a tightly contained group of well-meaning but deeply flawed individuals going head-to-head with this monster. And you've got the atmospheric character that is just the cold, dead winter. Right. That's something that I just love about The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Because you don't... I was thinking about wintry horror um, while pondering the film. And you just don't get... You don't get much just truly uh, balls to the walls, atmospheric winter horror. You have a few like exceptional features like the lodge, you know, from 2019 and that all or 2019 Fantastic Fest. When did the lodge actually release? Was that earlier this year? I think it was. Yeah. I I think that it ended up going to VOD this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Time doesn't matter anymore. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But kind of the ability to use the frosty cold as a character is something else that the Wolf of Snow Hollow has in common with Krampus. And, and I really do. The more I thought about the film, because Krampus is one of my favorite movies and it very much has the comedy element holding hands with some very effective horror, which uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow is the same way. And I, I do. I think they make really fun spiritual sisters as yeah. far as the cold and the chill. Yeah, I like that. And, and you could uh, you could squeeze in the thing uh, in with that puzzle piece as well. Absolutely. Uh, right on. I will continue in the snow and go with Fargo. There's actually a lot of Coen brothers in this, I think. You know, again, like you said, they're not really a bumbling police department, but these characters aren't quite as smart as they think <laughs> and uh but but there is a great great thriller at the center of it uh and of course we're also in that snowy setting and so i think uh fargo would be the the main coen brothers one to uh to pick out but in general though i mean that that could describe a lot of their characters you know being in the midst of some kind of really great mystery or thriller or something like that and uh there there's usually detectives and 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 uh you know cops and things like that and they're usually you know a lot of characters that aren't quite as smart as they think they are so i think coen brothers influences on this a lot yeah i like i like that summary <laughs> I'm trying to think if I want to get into the snowman or not. <laughs> Would it be offensive to anybody to get into the snowman? Hey, you know, sometimes you got to use a, pe- a a puzzle piece that you know maybe it's like don't watch that one, watch this one. You know, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's and that's exactly how I'll put it. Is I feel like the Wolf of Snow Hollow is what the snowman wishes it could be. <laughs> right. 
You know, I st- by the way, I still haven't seen The Snowman. I, I kind of want to watch it just for the uh, ridiculousness of it. It sounds like it's absolutely so funny. My, my recommendation to you, I'm going to prescribe this. In early January, when the warm glow of the holiday season has ended, Yes. Make yourself a boozy hot cocoa, snuggle up under a blanket and watch the snowman and call me in the morning. <laughs> that, that's what, that is the ideal conditions that I could lay out for you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. snowman is this, I'm, I'm going to try really hard here. So no discredit to the wolf of snow hollow at all. We're going to get into sure. that. Sure. Absolutely. The great thing about the Wolf of Snow Hollow, that the snowman also tries to do is creating the guy. In The Wolf of Snow Hollow, one of the key elements that I think is really fun is, and that's why there, there are no werewolf movies in my puzzle pieces, because werewolf movies really lean in to the monster. There was another really great um, werewolf film at Fantastic Fest this year. It was a French film called Teddy. I highly recommend that to anybody listening. That's a really great mm. film. Really great werewolf film. A Wolf of oh. Snow Hollow, I don't really count as a werewolf horror. Because the insistence of the characters is that it's a guy. They know that it's a serial killer. And are we going to get into spoilers at all? Oh, spoilers are fine on this show. All right. Yeah. So once you get to the end of The Wolf of Snow Hollow, you do learn that it is a guy. Right. That it's that it's not a supernatural cryptozoology monster of any kind. It's a dude who's got a a very large man, an extremely tall man, with a yes. very effective fur suit. Um, and I I really love that they left that element in there because that's something that all the all of those quote unquote bumbling police understand right away. Right, they right. know it's a guy, and I think that's a really great nugget to anchor that police department they're not totally clueless they've got these great instincts they are just totally woefully ill-equipped to apply them i think it's a really (laughs) nice touch that's a great way of putting it too yeah and so (laughs) connecting it to the snowman the snowman is also a guy it's this you know it's a it's a brutal wintry horror serial killer all of the elements are there the snowman just doesn't see it through and and it's a shame because all talent involved in the snowman very effective talent um i'm trying to remember the author of the books you know but it's a very popular scandinavian horror like all of the source material is there and I bring the snowman into conversation because it just goes to show that you can have everything working for you. But if you don't capture those very important details, like the written instincts of this police department, the flaws of Jim Cummings character and understanding of what isolation and horror really feels like, you can have all the atmosphere and great background in the world and you're not going to be able to carry a great winter horror. So I talk about the snowman because if you were disappointed by it, and that's the vibe that you're searching for, the wolf of snow hollow does it better. 
I absolutely understand that. And that that is uh, a perfect way to put it. Also, if I ever had the opportunity to follow this up with a conversation with Jim Cummings, uh, the snowman is going to be the first one I ask him about. So just so you know. I do feel like they're, <laughs> they are related and I would, I, I, I would be the same way. I'd want to ask him directly. It's like, is this a redemption story for the snowman? <laughs> Did you have a mission? Right. Oh man. And by the way, also you mentioned about not having any uh, werewolf puzzle pieces and I I'm the same way. Uh, for me though, it was more so just, it, it's been so, I don't know why this is, but it's been so long since I've seen any werewolf movies. I, I haven't seen one in a long time. And so I didn't want to bring any up just cause I didn't have uh, a ton to say on any specific ones. But I mean, you know, of course, first one I thought of was an American werewolf in Paris, but you know, it, it's, there's, you know, there's cool werewolf in it. <laughs> well, well, werewolves are really having a moment. And, um, you know, like I said, I was very surprised to, to see that because the fantastic fest lineup this year was very limited. They, they did a really great job. Um, kind of reassembling a festival that had been previously canceled once they had the virtual capability. So big kudos to the Fantastic Fest team for putting that together. But it was very surprising in a limited, such a, a limited slate of films for there to be two werewolf movies and, and so very different. Sure. So Teddy definitely, Teddy is a really good werewolf movie. I'll have um, to check that out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm going to go on to my last piece. And this is one that I know Jim Cummings has said himself that he's, you know, been influenced by. But I also, you know, just absolutely saw it in the movie. Really, David Fincher in general, uh, but especially Zodiac, but also Seven as well, I think. But a lot of that kind of adjacent horror and uh, detective mystery type work uh, and as well as comedy uh, because David Fincher does have a little bit of a dark comedy streak through a lot of his stuff. And uh, it, you know, and then especially if we're going to get into scenes specifically, you already brought up uh, that, that ending where we finally do find out about, you know, who the werewolf really is. And that insanely tense scene in the guy's house where you just know this guy is not telling the truth, even before it's tr you know actually uh, shown that this is going to end up being the bad guy. Um, you just know it just just by that thick, thick, thick tension of that scene. Reminded me a lot of that end scene of Zodiac. Um, so you know, definitely a lot of Fincher though in what he's trying to do here with this movie. I think really such an effective scene. I I loved that. I <laughs> whenever I'm watching these films, I'm always locked in the back room and my partner will always kind of give a a blind review of the film based on hearing me take in a film <laughs> when i was watching the wolf of snow hollow there's this really wonderful scene where jim cummings character pauses turns to creepy dude from in the cabin and asks him to stand to his full height yeah and, you know, because this is, a, this is a, a tall, very large monster. That's kind of part of what's baffling people. And as that scene literally unfolds and this man stands up, I was screaming, just <laughs> excited. And, oh, man, like, I, I loved it. Probably one of the best scenes in the film, in my opinion. Yeah. And with that monster in mind, 
this is a little mini micro puzzle piece, but I'll tag it on because I really believe mm -hmm. this and I want to give all that credit to Jim Cummings. Jaws. And you okay. and I talked about Jaws. You know I love Jaws. Like oh, when yeah. I look for Jaws even where it doesn't exist. My connection to Jaws is you've got Chief Brody in that film, who, if you're familiar with the book, um, and this shows, of course, and hit the portrayal in the film, you know, Chief Brody is somebody who's just trying his best. This very flawed, very real, very grounded officer who's trying to protect the people of um, Amity Island from a monster. Right. And I really loved, and I'm not going to call it an impression of Chief Brody, because I, I think that Jim Cummings is doing a lot more than that. But it was just, it's great to see another police officer character that is fleshed out and flawed, but ultimately altruistic in that way. I, I immediately drew that connection. And then just especially in that scene where Jim Cummings, you know, who has been disgraced from the police department and whatnot at this point, he's going to go head to head with the monster, very uh, reminiscent of those final scenes in Jaws and equally as impactful. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that you're able to bring Jaws into the conversation and, and it is great. And I, I do love, I think it's honestly like the best thing about this movie is the character and the fact that he cares so much. He really does seem to care. He just is not doing a good job of, of balancing everything that's being thrown at him in his mm -hmm. life from, from this literal monster to his, you know, alcoholism, to his family, to, you know, dealing with the other police officers, just all this stuff, his father, you know, uh, getting sick, uh, Robert Forster, who we haven't even really mentioned, uh, in his final role. But, uh, you know, it, it's really, it's really great to see a, uh, a character so fleshed out because I mean, who doesn't have things being thrown at them from every direction in their life, you know? Yeah, and, and I think, and, and I, I loved how you touched on that, is that he he wants to do good. Yeah. He is not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. Like, he is, he is not, he is not up to the challenges that he's facing, but he is fighting like hell to, to get to that level. And, and that last scene, I think, just really shows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so do you have any other pieces? No, no more pieces. All right. Well, then I'm going to do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here. Uh, finished puzzle for The Wolf of Snow Hollow includes Wind River, Thunder Road, The Dead Don't Die, The Art of Self-Defense, Krampus, The Thing, uh, Fargo, The Snowman, Zodiac 7, and David Fincher in general and jaws so do you have any other thoughts about this movie that we didn't quite get into as we were going through the puzzle pieces i'm a big seasonal film viewer i i like to kind of assign certain films to various months just as sort of a ritual calendar and i really hope that the wolf of snow hollow enjoys a very long season for film viewers the winter atmosphere really is one of the most beautiful elements of the film and so for me it kind of like my snowman prescription for you this is going to become a january watch for me for sure um mm -hmm. i really encourage people to 
to watch The Wolf of Snow Hollow several times over and break it down into those parts because it is horror, it is crime, and it is comedy. And each of those elements are so present, but each done to such different levels. And I do, I think this film takes several watches to really appreciate all of those layers. And and I hope people will take the time to interact with the film in this way because it's so good. I, I actually completely agree. I've only watched it once so far, and I was watching it through the lens of uh, this interesting-looking werewolf movie, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm really looking forward to going back to it now knowing um, everything else that, that's in there, you mm-hmm. know, and, and really looking at it that way. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, great movie, and I, I think uh, I think that about covers it, so... Uh, is there another movie you saw recently you'd like to maybe recommend to our listeners? Oh, man. So I want to recommend this to your listeners because I need more input and opinions. Rebecca, the Netflix adaptation of Rebecca, is coming out on October 21st. Mm-hmm. So, we're, so we're a couple or I guess we're a week out, a little under a week out. Um, have you seen the 1940 Rebecca? You know what? I don't think I ever have seen that. No, maybe when I was a kid. Hmm. Okay. So part of the, uh, I guess part of the drama discussing it is that the 1940 Rebecca is absolutely iconic. This adaptation does things in a decidedly different way. I'm super into it. There are plenty of other critics that aren't. It's very interesting to talk and interact with other critics on this film. So I don't know if I would want you to watch the 1940 film or not first i guess that's up Mm. to you yeah that's interesting like for a movie that that that's that like celebrated to remake it and to go in fresh or not (laughs) you know that's yeah that's a difficult decision but i would be really um i I highly recommend the film to people if if for no other reason than you know if it's an introduction to rebecca rebecca's a great story and i think that the adaptation is definitely accessible Mm -hmm. that's what i actually think it does best um but also just, I think there's a really interesting conversation and I want as many people to see that film as possible. Awesome. Well, uh, Kate, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your writing? Okay. So I'm a, I'm a little bit everywhere. Uh, <laughs> the best place <laughs> to find my work is on my Twitter. That's at Kate does as in Kate does all kinds of stuff, film reviews and yeah, really just a lot of film reviews. I love horror. This is a really big season for me. So that's at Kate does it's C A I T does D O E S. Sounds good. Yeah. That's, well, <laughs> that's where yeah. I'm at. <laughs> well, I, I absolutely encourage people to go check out your writing and uh, I hope to have you back on the show again sometime. Thanks so much for having me. It's always so much fun. Hello everyone, my name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, nextbestpicture.com. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com.
All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about The Wolf of Snow Hollow. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure you check it out. It is a great movie, and uh, thank you to Kate for joining me to talk about it. So, that does it for today's show. I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Let us know what you're thinking of the show. I always enjoy getting feedback, hearing what people think of the show and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always looking for new co-hosts, so if you're interested in joining me for an episode, do get in touch. You can just tweet at me or email me by davidrosen at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget we have a Patreon on the Patreon, which is called Produced by David Rosen. It's patreon.com slash by David Rosen. There's, of course, a link in the show notes. Uh, I post advanced episodes of this podcast, as well as bonus episodes of Awesome Movie Year, another movie podcast that I produce, and then stuff from my music career including a bunch of album-length commentaries that I've been recording for my first four albums. The first one for Echoes in the Dark is up right now, and I will be posting more of them over the next couple of weeks here, all in celebration of my new album, David Rosen, which just came out. And so, yeah, lots of great content over there on the Patreon. Check that out. And uh, speaking of my new album, David Rosen, it is available now. The first music video, Multiply, is up on my YouTube channel. And it just got into another film festival, so I'm excited about that. And uh, so I, I do hope you check out the new album. Right now, though, I'm going to close out the show with a piece of music. And there's not that much spooky on the new album. So all these Halloween kind of themed episodes aren't going to have anything from the new album. I, I There's plenty of other new episodes to play stuff from the new album on. So instead, I'm going to go for something spooky and go with a track called Scarecrow, which was from my free album, Like Ashes, which is a, a special bonus album available only on my band camp. So uh, that's davidrosen.bandcamp.com there are three special free download albums uh, and one of them has this song Scarecrow so enjoy it and we'll be back with more piecing it together coming up real soon
Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.